This ESPN Chicago podcast is presented by 19 Crimes Wine. What's up, party people? Ain't no party like a Cali Gold party because a Cali Gold party don't stop. Pour yourself a glass of that Cali Gold with your boy, Snoop Dogg. Hope everyone's having a great day. Staying dry. We're live in the old National Bank State Street Studios. Uh, Carmen and York. A little historical history. I love uh, historical history. Right. Okay. The NBA trade deadline in 2017 was moved uh, to 10 days before the All-Star game. Six years ago. Instead of 10 days after the All-Star game. That also answers the question, when's the All-Star game? Next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. That'll answer that question for you. Beautiful. And uh, in years past, the trade deadline last year was February 10th. Was that the same week as the Super Bowl? 2018, it was February 8th. Yeah, I think for the last four or five Super Bowls, it's been the same week. It's just this year again because of the Brooklyn thing. Because of who, yes. It's big time news. Right, right. Ooh, Warriors traded uh, Wiseman? To Pistons. To the Pistons for Sadiq Bey. Some people thought maybe the Bulls... Multi-team trade, Carm. Oh, Bey's going to the Hawks. I'm sorry, okay. So Sadiq Bay's going to the Hawks as part of a multi-team. Uh, team five second-round picks. People well, love. What is with the five second-round second round picks, picks now? Like Jay Crowder got traded today for five second-round picks. Like these picks in the NBA, the way they trade teams is hilarious. And I'm trying to envision that well, conversation. Like I, I Milwaukee guess it's says, future draft equity for a trade that wants to be made down the line. Yeah. So Milwaukee says, okay, we want Jay Crowder. We'll give you three second-round picks. And Sean Mark says, I'm thinking seven. And they're like, not getting seven. Five. Okay. Five second-round Good. Five. And now another guy got cringed for five second-round picks? What is happening? Some I don't people thought the Bulls might be interested in James Wiseman. So Wiseman, uh, who, you know, he was injured that whole four, that whole rookie year he was injured, wasn't he? Yeah. Never really fired. Who's that guy right there? Thing. That's Zach Lowe. Okay. Zach Lowe's good. He's on ESPN right now. That's who your cat is asking about. So, Wiseman traded. I saw uh, Jay Crowder got traded in Milwaukee. We talked about that. What was the other one I saw? Woj just had another one, and it included. I'm blanking on it now. Philly made a trade. I have to go back and find it. Uh, oh, Philly traded Matisse Teibel uh, to, I think it might have been another three-team deal, potentially. And they added J- and they added Jalen McDaniels. I think that was that deal. So lots of uh, wheeling and dealing. We'll keep you abreast, and if the Bulls do anything, we are under an hour away now, inside an hour to the NBA's trade deadline for 2022-2023. You want to hear Adam Schefter with Waddle and Sylvie? Listen to this, Yerk. This is uh, on, they caught up with Adam yesterday. He was, of course, in Arizona covering the Super Bowl. This is on the Bears in the offseason and the number one pick. That was a gift from the football gods on the final <laughs> Sunday of the season. I cannot believe how the Houston Texans botched that. And it played right into the Bears' favor. And I have not spoken to anybody specifically about that because we've been in kind of an head coaching world and we're starting to get into quarterback carousel and there'll be enough time to heat up. But I can just tell you right now, that the Bears are going to have the opportunity to listen to some unbelievable offers for the number one pick, and they're going to have a chance to parlay that one pick that came as a benefit of the Houston Texans winning a game that they never should have won into a bevy of future picks that can set up that franchise for years to come. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was an incredible gift. Incredible. So a bevy. So us dreaming big is not a fantasy. No, you should be dreaming big. That that, that they're gonna that pick is gonna be worth a small fortune, 
and the Bears are holding a lottery ticket if they want to cash it in. What do you think of that, York? Just knowing what we know about the well, draft I, I, and that number I, I, one pick? Of course you're going to get something for that. Like I mean, something really big. Yeah, of course yeah. you are. But, you know, his talk of parlaying it into something um, is a great thought. But you got to have the teams willing to do it. And it would start with Houston thinking they might have to move up. That's what it would start with. What do you think Houston's thinking? Like, they could have had that pick if they just would have lost, and now they got to make a well, big trade. To now, there's another statement I want to make right here. All right. Players don't Adam play to lose. Schefter saying right there that that was a game that Houston had no business of winning. His statement right there disqualifies him from ever having any comment on the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL. <laughs> okay? Brian got a job in Minnesota, by the way. Did you That's see that? great. Congratulations go to him. Another chance to continue on his coaching career. But do you understand what I'm saying? That should disqualify him from ever having a thought but wait. On, on that lawsuit going forward. No. But, uh, but no, an no, analyst no. saying that no. an owner of a team uh, paying off a coach to lose games are two different things. No, that's they? not. Tanking is tanking, right? But Adam Schefter's what's, not involved what's, what's, what's in the tank. No, but he said Houston. He offered his thoughts and his opinion on the fact that they didn't tank well enough. That they had no business not winning that game. Were you with us when, or were you gone when we had before that game when we had uh, Jeff Van Gundy on? Were you here for no, that? I was here for that. You were here. Yeah, remember, remember they're going to lose. And Van Gundy's like, you yeah, guys are crazy. There's no way in hell you think they're going to win that game. Yeah, I was here. But you get what I'm saying. You understand what the pray he he can offer no thoughts ever. On that what? lawsuit. What thoughts do you think he, he'd offer on the lawsuit? What well, doesn't make a difference? All his thoughts are null and void <laughs> because he's in favor of tanking. He can't come out here and pontificate on the fact that Brian Flores has sued the NFL. I refuse to listen to it. I love your mind the way it works. Well, like, think about you have a beautiful it. mind. But, but just think about that. But he is you a can't reporter. say that. Yeah, but he's offered his opinion. He's not reporting. He offered his well, thoughts that, and his true. opinion on but that. But I'm saying if he were offering up some sort of report on the Brian Flores situation, he does cover the NFL for no, a living. Then there's, an, uh, there's a subconscious bias automatically in place because of his thoughts and the way he thought about just there. Are you going to hold Houston this against him the way you held no, Peter King? I'm not holding it against him. <laughs> Carm, I'm not holding it against him. I'm not even upset with Adam Schefter. But when you like see you it and when you hear it, then you've got to call it out for what it is. Uh, That's all. Right. all. Look, and I, if he does talk about it, I'm not going to be I upset. I can see a couple of different things. Like, I, It is wrong for Stephen Ross to go to his head coach. And offer financial incentives to lose, to games. lose games. 100% You can't correct. do that to a coach. 100% correct. Uh, okay. Now, I might, that's my opinion. And if you say, well, Carm, you shouldn't. I think Houston was crazy for winning that game, too. The problem is they told Lovey he was getting fired, and Lovey's like, oh, yeah? Watch this. Yeah. I'll go motivate my squad. Uh, yeah. And we're going to go for two at the end of the game and win. Yeah. You know, that's how Houston, maybe that's what he means. Like, that's how Houston really botched it. So should Houston have gone to him and said, listen, Lovey. No, you're you've right. You've got to lose this no, game because we that. want the number one pick. You can't do that. According to Adam Schefter, they were crazy for winning well, that game. you can't do that, though. Isn't that what he just offered me? I don't know. He might tell you what I just told you, that their mistake, the way they botched it, was letting the staff know they were getting right. fired. Motivating Lovey and that staff to motivate their guys and all you. go out there and win for one another, which is I, what they I did. I think then my point then on a personal basis, I would have to take any thoughts he would have on that. If he then <laughs> offered his opinion 
in this situation as opposed to reporting just on the facts of the situation. Yeah. I would have to take his thoughts on that as being null and void. Okay. Where is that lawsuit, about that? by the way? Do Out there in the abyss. Is it in the Now that he's somewhere? got a job, I bet you they announce here in the quiet time of the NFL mm. at Friday at like 6 o'clock in the evening, mm-hmm. someday that the, the lawsuit has been dismissed. Okay. That lawsuit had been settled. Settled. Nobody's going to comment on it as we move forward. Yeah. That's how the NFL works. Thank That's you. the way they do it. And then you can't ever go back and litigate against them again That's or else it. you're really in trouble. Well, these, there's already a theoretical stop of litigation, and everything is supposed to go to that... Uh, controlled and crooked arbitration process that the NFL has. Well, some setup he's got, doesn't yeah. he, Goodell? Yeah. What did you think of Goodell saying this yesterday, Yerk? This is at his State of the Union address. Yerko used to ask a question every year at this address. A lot of years it was with Paul Tagliabue, uh, talking about the NFL officiating, because it's been a topic of conversation. Certainly was in the playoffs. And really following the AFC title game, where it was just it was not good. It was a poorly officiated game. This is Roger Goodell. Uh, I think for us, when you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. There are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's hundreds, if not millions, of, of, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes? In the context of that, yes, they are not perfect, and officiating never will. But we've also had, obviously, replay and other aspects that help us address those issues to make sure they're not uh, something that uh, we can't correct on the field. Communications between our office, that is not the case the, in the championship game. That, that was stopped appropriately because the clock was running by an official on the field. That happens frequently in our game. That's not an unusual thing to have that happen. So, again, we want to go back and look at the facts. We may not disagree. We may not agree with every TV announcer or every officiating expert, but we think our officials are doing a great job. But we're always going to look through our competition committee and everything else we have, how we improve our officiating. But it will never be perfect. Well, okay, and that might be. They need to continue to work on uh, making sure that, Things like Devontae Smith, no catch. Don't, you know, make sure that doesn't happen in an right. NFC title game. Yes. You know, you need to be better about that. What, what, listen, I want to play it again, and it's really the second part. Yeah. that I that Because I think that's well, the important the, Even part. the interference play against the New Orleans Saints with Minnesota, that's the kind that's of things you want to have. That, that, that's the worst call in can't the history of the NFL. You can't have that. You're, no. you're right. You can't. But listen to, like, this back half of this. All right, go ahead. Because I think it's the important part about the procedures that are in place and what the league needs to do about getting that eye in the sky, the ability to communicate with the refs quickly to say, wait, it's been missed. Like here, So listen to this again. Uh, I think for us, when you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. <laughs> there are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's... Hundreds, if not millions, of, of, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes in the context of that? Yes. They are not perfect, and officiating never will. But we've also had, obviously, replay and other aspects that help us address those issues to make sure they're not uh, something that uh, we can't correct on the field. Communications between our office... That is not the case in the championship game. That that was stopped appropriately because the clock was running by an official on the field. That happens frequently in our game. 
That's not an unusual thing to have that happen. So, again, we want to go back and look at the facts. That's the part I don't get. What is he saying? That there is no communication between the office and the officials during the no, NFC Championship? No, there, there was. What did he there say? There was. That's, I mean, he may be, I, I don't know if he's saying it a different way, but yeah, there's communication. They can go to the referee and they can, uh, the, okay, the one they person can. that's overseeing it and watching it, they can. That's why I'm surprised they never, nobody ever saw that until we came back from timeout, right? right? And then well, remember, oh, the look first, at this angle. Hold on, the first three, four angles were terrible. They, they were. And they kept going back to the same two angles like there was going to be some sort of mystery there. The near sideline angle. Yeah. Couldn't tell. The right. far sideline angle, you're, you could tell. No, for me, it was the end zone. Like, the, they set up a guy in the end zone probably about 15 yards in, and he was that, looking oh, okay. directly at it as he landed. Because okay. the referee, or the referee, the side judge, side judge, or the whatever judge, line judge, whatever he is, he was the guy that saw it from behind. So he couldn't see the ball hit the ground. Couldn't see it. The guy over here, so the only guy that could have was the field judge that set up by the uh, by the goalpost. So who, or he's yeah, running right. at that point, and he's uh, uh, 20, what is that, uh, 53 and a third yard. He's 27 yards away almost. 26 yards away, he's in the middle of the field. So from that point, he's right. got to go, and he's got to make the call from the distance that he's at. And you know, I, maybe he's a little bit closer because once the ball's thrown, he's angling over. The yeah. back judge trying to, you know, get, get get a position where he can make the call. To me, the reaction, oh, that the two been hands the, the tell, together. That's the telltale. Yeah, whatever it is, okay, we got to go quick huddle, quick huddle. He knew. And the way he was doing that, yeah. you know, if you sit and you celebrate and then just do that, and your people got to come a long way. Devontae Smith doesn't have to be panicked about what he's doing. You give the signal, you sashay over to your side where you need to be, you bring your call in, and you get to play a run. To, to me, and the fact that it wasn't challenged was Shanahan didn't challenge it because yeah. it was a fourth down play. Yes. I know it was the opening drive of the doesn't game. doesn't matter. But, yeah. Automatic challenge, fourth down play. That's what made it play. an automatic challenge. Right. It was a fourth down play. And we, when you see the reaction, I wonder if Shanahan has nightmares about that right now. It probably doesn't make a difference. I don't think They it. ran out of quarterbacks Once for crying Purdy out loud. Got hurt. Once yeah. Purdy got hurt, it was a done deal. That's it, 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 very true. I mean, when, yeah. you, when you don't have a quarterback in the NFC title game, it's a problem. His defense but, simply would be, you know, we lost the game 31-7. That's what he would say. I know. We lost 31-7. I still seven. wonder if he's like, what are we arguing about? Damn, I should have thrown that flag. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. We got uh, McKnight at the movies. Todd Furman's live in Vegas in about 20 minutes. Carmen and Yurko, we'll be right back. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Listen to us now. Live on the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. McKnight at the movies. Connor McKnight recreates classic cinema on Carmen and Yurko, only on ESPN Chicago. Always great fun. We love Thursdays at this time because we play McKnight at the movies. Last week, Connor did an all-timer. Glorious Bastards. Got it on the first clue. That's one of our favorites. Let's see how we do today. We play along with you. It's brought to you by the Village of Elmwood Park. Do we know where the gift certificate is from today? Let's see if we can find it. It is from somewhere. Yes, it's from one of the many great establishments in Elmwood Park. Yeah, we've been there. And there are many. Oh, I've been growing there since I was a kid. Yeah, not surprised. um, To a lot of those great places. And they've got restaurant week starting next, I think it starts next, a week from today. Next Friday, they got a Golden Gloves fight night, and uh, I am I going it. to be there. I'm seeing. Oh yeah, a title bout. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, I'm seeing. You're going to be doing the announcing. 
I think again, I think I'm a yeah, channel, channel the, Howard Cosell. Channel a little yeah, Howard, Howard Cosell. Cosell. Oh, the gift certificate today is for Jim and Pete's, which is a legendary Italian place right there on North Avenue. It's been sure. there for 60 years. Beautiful. Jim and Pete's. It's delicious. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. What if the guy's name isn't Frazier? That's just that's what I'm going to do. Just say it. Down goes Frazier. Well, whatever his name is. Down goes Middleton. Yeah. No. But, uh, I'll Down be- goes Koroskonsky, whatever his name is. I am is. going to be there in Elmwood Park for fight night next Friday, Feb 17, from 6.30 to 8.30. So if you're going, make sure you come by and say hello. Let's play McKnight at the Movies. First correct caller wins the gift card, 312-332-3776. Here's part one. Our seat opens in a tight spot. Not figuratively, literally. Four or five people crammed into this tiny space, difficult to get the job done. An older man is clearly in command here, square jaw, deep voice, full head of silver hair. He looks like the job. He's happy to have company despite the small amount of square footage. Maybe too happy? Maybe a little creepy? Either way, he's permitting this young guest to stay a while longer. Meanwhile, the camera cuts to the second in command. He's on the horn issuing a report. The youngster has recognized him, though. We recognize him, too, of course. He's not an actor per se, but at the time of the film's release, he's a big-time celebrity and maybe the goat. Oh, boy. You know, I had a guess, but it's not it. I thought for a second he was talking about Hunt for Red October, but that's not it. No. Like the scene where they're having, di- you know, where they're having dinner. They're they're all yeah, together like in, in the, there, right? Right. There's like six of them in there. Yeah. Who? They, he's the goat. He's not an actor per se, but he might be the goat. There. I don't know. All right, let's listen to part. I don't know it. I don't know the it. Twitchers either. Twitchers might have it. Let's see if the Twitchers have it. Hold on. I'll you go. can't look. You can't cheat. Well, man. that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Good yeah. point. And that's why normally yeah. the guys will keep the Twitch chat up. All right, I don't know it yet. Here's part two. A bit on our actors. Briefly in this scene, one of the all-time on-screen comedy mobs. Hugely underrated career. Comedy silver-haired mom? captain had a prolific career. Mission Impossible, Stalag 17, and just about every Western from 51 to 65. The kid didn't get up to much. The celeb ended up being in a ton after this. Lots of bits. He's also one hell of a writer. And even though he gave up his historic spot the other night, he will never be forgotten. I don't know. I don't know. What oh, means. oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got it because the last clue. <laughs> Here. That's it, right here. Oh, shame on me. That's it. Okay. <laughs> there you go. I got you. Good call, Connor. Yeah. Here's part three. Back to our scene. The celeb is a big guy, way out of place in his chair just by height. He's getting a little annoyed at the kid. The kid says he knows him. The guy says he doesn't. The kid has receipts, though, and this isn't some 11-year-old rambling. The big guy's starting to break. Now, the kid has gone too far. This guy will not suffer anyone saying he doesn't hustle on defense, and he's right. At this point, Walton's feet were shot, and Lanier's back was essentially paper mache. An all-time spoof movie, an all-time great with a fun cameo. Awesome to see him center stage, or at least close, on Wednesday night. Excellent call by Connor. I wasn't even thinking of that, and it is an all-time great spoof movie. It's an all-time performance by uh, our guy uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yes, it is. And uh, it has got one of the great cameos. I wouldn't say he's just a cameo, but uh, one of the great roles that is not an actor. Now I know exactly what he was going for in movie history. Mike in Geneva, I think. Is he in Geneva? Yes. Mike, what is that movie? I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. That's airplane. There you go, my man. (laughs) Nicely done, Mike. Sit tight. 
Hold on, we'll get you the gift card, and here's the reveal from one hell of a scene. We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. Flight 209er to Denver Radio. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are, Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Bye, Clarence. No, no he he's stay. not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen to you. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. I love it. And I love the, uh, my, that movie is loaded with great scenes. That's one of those that's so old. I don't know if that kind of thing makes people laugh anymore or not. I mean, maybe we're just old and it's the word, the word play. The word play is amazing. Um, the, I mean, Leslie Nielsen's dry comedy. Yeah. The scene with the captain, uh, when, when he says, uh, surely, well, surely you must be joking. I'm not joking. Don't call me sure. Yes. How, uh, he says, captain, how soon we can land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I just don't know. Can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours. It's just fabulous. Yeah, like the wordplay in it is so good. And I don't know if young people would see that now and be like, that's ridiculously dumb, but we laughed our asses off. Yes, we did. I mean, and it still makes me laugh. I love it too. It's like still like Austin Powers. That's why like those movies with the wordplay. So hold you up like, like it, that. Jake? I mean, yeah, you're I love young. It. You li- it's, I'm I glad love you've it. seen it's it. It's so funny. Brendan, have you seen it? I have seen it. I, it didn't stick with me. I don't See? remember it very well. That's what I mean. And it's just, it's so great. I love those movies. The, the Zucker Brothers. They wrote some funny stuff. Let's go to our guy, Polly Cheesecake, for, for the final time in the 2023 season, Yurko. Polly's yes. got I'm finally home. I'm home. You're home. Uh, you, are you, uh, Polly had, a, my, for people who don't know, had a medical emergency about, what, a month ago? Yes. Had a stroke. Yeah. And by the way, I'm glad you're feeling better, too, because when I did my. It's two weeks ago, you had a colonoscopy. I feel great. Yes, You're did. the one who yeah. had the serious yeah. medical issue. You That's sound right, terrific, Polly. Everything, you sound great. everything turned out oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm like I told you a couple weeks ago. I feel like a hundred bucks in candy shack. Uh, okay, nice, Polly. Yeah. I want you, you know, to feel like a million. Carmen went and signed up for another colonoscopy next week. Just, there you go. Just because. <laughs> yeah. I like it so listen, much. I gave them breaking news. Uh oh. I'm coming home. I'm coming to Chicago in August. Okay. And I'm going to come to see you guys. You are more than Breaking welcome. news. I hope you bring Freddy's uh, sandwiches and some uh, Italian ice. Like you always Actually, do. Actually, I want to have a trivia contest between Crosstuck Unhinged and Black Abdallah. Uh, Cap and Jay Hood, the four, four on four. Uh, we'll destroy. Oh, you just look. He's just going to start creating content. Black and I are. Black's the undisputed champ. No, he no, won no, last no. year. But, yes, he no, did. but I came in second. So versus you, four, the other four guys. That's how I want to do it. Oh, you want to take on us? No, no, no. I'm going to be the host. Oh, you'll be the host. It's oh, be sweet Black and Black Abdullah, Cap and Jay Hood versus the Cross Talk on Him show. We'll dominate them. What are you talking about? 
Well, we'll see what happens. All right. The, I like the idea of you being the Alex Trebek host. All right, give yeah. us the pick for what the Super Bowl. Pa- what do you got, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, you're close to Philly. Let's face it. Yeah, 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 lot, yeah, is there yeah. a lot of Eagle love by you right now where you are in Jersey? Oh, yeah, yeah, where I live, yeah, there is a lot of, there is a lot of Eagles. So love, you're, yeah. you're laying one and a half with Philly? Yes, I am. All right, that's the bet. Yeah. Paulie, I, yeah. uh, good luck to you. Let it, and don't be a stranger, obviously. We won't get your picks anymore for a while until no, next no, football but, uh, season. Like I said, like I said I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. And, uh, and then I'll make, we'll make arrangements uh, to, to do this uh, kind of maybe in Berwick. I will pitch it to oh, Zetterman, yeah. and I think Zetterman's going to love it. So don't okay, be a stranger. We'll talk to you before, we'll talk to you before this August. Is the, this is for the 25th anniversary. That's why I want to do the contest. I like how you're thinking big, Pauly. All, we'll okay. all right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. There's Pauly Cheesecake. Coming back home. It's not a bad idea. He's in thinking, August. He's an idea man. In August. Well, okay. He's coming in August. We'll do a, you know, we got 25th anniversary all year. I'm we glad I celebrate. had six months to prepare. That's what I'm glad I got. Well, I feel good about our spot. Yeah. Black's the tough one on that crew. Sure he is. Yeah. Black, Black, I, uh, Black upset me. Let's face it. I was the favorite. Surprised. Black pulled the yeah, upset. He did. That stupid pop culture got me. Remember? Yeah, it was the two it, it was too music yeah. uh, that I, I can't complain about it. I lost, but it was two music questions. You've got to do a whole lot better, Carl. What do I know about music? I don't know anything That's about music. That's your weakness. Movie yes. strength. Sports, movies, theater strength, history, little yeah. literature, music. Foodie, you're foodie. Yeah, oh. music, no shot. Math, smell the, smell the spice. What is Out it? Out the window. That I can smell do. Smell and taste the spice. Yeah, I know you do. That I can do it. All right, speaking of uh, making Coriander. picks. Making picks, Yurko. We're going to make some money for everybody. Todd Furman, the best in the biz. He's going to join us with his thoughts on Super Bowl 57 live in Vegas coming up next. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Follow the show on Twitter at Carmen DeFalco and at Yurko64. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Just a few days away, Yurko. Super Bowl 57 fast approaching Glendale, Arizona this Sunday late afternoon. Final time we get to talk with Todd Furman. It makes me a little sad. Bittersweet. Super Bowl's here. It's coming to an end. It's been another great year of Todd providing excellent breakdown and analysis for us. Make sure you check out his podcast, the Bet the Board Pod with Payne Insider, wherever you get your podcasts. And Todd uh, joins Carmen and Yurko now on ESPN 1000. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, gentlemen, but it's amazing. I leave the home office for a few days in Phoenix to cover the Super Bowl, and my head is on a swivel trying to figure out which players are changing locations, not just with the marquee superstars in the NBA, but we get a blockbuster in the NHL today as well. Oh, man, I mean, tell you, there's a lot happening. Uh, they, I think there's more attention on the NBA this week because of the star power. When Kyrie and KD get traded, it obviously makes news. It, I don't want to say it's moved the Super Bowl off the, maybe the top headline, but it, it's, it's close. I mean, there's a lot of NBA coverage out there right now. Real quick, just to because I don't want to spend too much time on this. It is the Super Bowl. But real quick. What has it done for Dallas's odds, maybe for Phoenix's odds? I mean, the West has seen a real shakeup. Even the Lakers, I think, while they've been smaller moves, have done some things that help them. What has it done to some of the odds in the West and for the NBA title, Todd? Well, we saw the Mavericks' odds come crashing down after they acquired Kyrie. I'm not quite sure how that really helps them win an NBA championship with him and Luka out there and their inability to defend. <laughs> Me neither. It clearly, <laughs> it clearly makes them more exciting to watch. The Suns are interesting because clearly they now have the star power as well, but you wonder about their depth and if their ability to go through a playoff series 
and get scoring from their second unit will hold them back. The team guys that I'm waiting for all the dust to settle on, and I know they made minor moves themselves, I'm honestly hoping the L.A. Clippers odds continue to drift out. It's a team that I like coming into the year. You had to pay a premium to back, but they check more boxes for me in the Western Conference than even these teams that are going out and acquiring some of the biggest names out there. All right, let's get uh, to the Super Bowl. When we talked last Thursday, you know, we looked at the line. You explained the move. Um, a lot of sharp betters just immediately grabbing the Eagles as an underdog, figuring out if they wanted to get off that position or not a little bit later. It really hasn't moved in the week since we've talked. We wondered what the injury reports would do to this line. The most significant one, forget about the offense for KC, the most significant injury we all wanted to follow was Legereus Sneed. He did clear concussion protocol, but with everything we know up to this point just a few days away, are you surprised to see such little movement? You think this is where it stays, or could there still be something that happens in the next 72 hours or so? I think we could see some Chiefs money start to come in between now and kickoff because a lot of the guys that I talked to have pretty good influence in the market. Like we mentioned last Thursday, they grabbed the Eagles early, said they'll figure out what to do with it later. Obviously, the injury reports have cleared up for Kansas City. Things trending in a positive manner, but there's no reason for them to jump right in in the dead zone in that one-and-a-half-two range to try and figure out if a late public push is going to move this number even further in Philadelphia's favor. So I think you're going to see Kansas City money come in. It won't be a seismic shift in the betting market by any stretch, knowing that we're not going to get to three. And I would truly be stunned if we got all the way down to a pick if there was that much money that came in on Kansas City. I guess there was a big bet early in the week on the over that got this thing out to 51. Do you think it stays there? I think we could see that trend out a little bit further. Uh, you mentioned it, a big influential betting group came in over 50 and a half. That was their buy point. We talk all the time about key numbers in NFL totals. 51 would be one of them. And I think once you get to that point, if there's more public support, we could get to 51 and a half, maybe even 52 before there's a little bit of buyback. Yeah. But once you get through that threshold of 51, I do think you're going to see an appetite for the under because everyone doesn't align in their handicap for this game. And when you look at recent history, a lot of people place a ton of emphasis on that. We've seen four straight Super Bowls coming under the total. This would mark the fifth straight year if that was the case the longest such streak since 1968 to 1974. Todd Furman's our guest, at Todd Furman on Twitter, the Bet the Board podcast. It's Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been activated, but they've been sort of tight-lipped on how they might use him, if at all. How does it change the handicap when you're trying to look for uh, some advantages in the numbers for the prop bets on guys like Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon? What we've seen, Carm, uh, given the laundry list of prop bets that are available, sharp bettors have every angle covered in a lot of this. So the one prop that's taken a lot of attention, over under four and a half players to carry for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. You figure Mahomes and Pacheco become 1A and 1B. Jarek McKinnon gets in there as three. If Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets a touch, it's four. Then it's a question of which tight end may get the ball in short yardage or a jet sweep. So that's been one of the biggest movers as a result. You haven't seen much in the way of Pacheco under money coming in because I think anyone who believes Clyde Edwards-Alaire will factor into this game plan. Maybe it's two or three touches top. The sharpest stuff that I've seen on Isaiah Pacheco is actually in terms of his receiving number, and it's not a prop that's offered everywhere, but people looking to lay a substantial price with Pacheco to outperform Miles Sanders in terms of what they'll do from a receiving output mm. standpoint. There, how do you start to incorporate like recent data points in some of these props Todd and I'll just use it as one example one thing that I kind of like in this game are some of the Kenneth Gainwell props because we've seen an increase in his volume Um, I think it's nearly 30 uh, overall touches in the two playoff games so far and when you can get 
plus money or a little, you know, the odds are a little bit better, I should say, than maybe some of the Miles Sanders props. How, like, am I putting too much into some of the more recent data points if I like some of the Kenneth Gainwell over props? He has been the most polarizing player for just the reasons that you outlined there, Carm. The X's and O's guys love what they see from his ability to flash and knowing that Nick Sirianni has leaned on his explosive big play potential. But professional betters are operating with a different mindset, knowing that Kenneth Gainwell has received the majority of the touches in garbage time, essentially, Mm -hmm. in each of the last two games. So it's tough to use those data points where Philly was playing with a multiple-score lead that they didn't want to lean on their bell cow. Because when you look over the course of the full regular season, when it's plus or minus you know, one possession late in games, Miles Sanders has been the guy that typically Nick Sirianni leans on more than any other player. I was actually hoping that some of those Gainwell numbers were going to be a touch inflated. Would have loved to go under 26.5, 27.5 rushing yards. But credit to oddsmakers, they open them right where I think they need to be in the low 20s yeah. or even some cases in the high teens. I'd be looking at Gainwell a little bit more as a receiver. I think that's an avenue where Miles Sanders won't cut into receiving yardage or catches, but I would stay away personally from Boston Scott rushing yards, um, rushing attempts the same way I would with Kenneth Gainwell. Well, Jalen Hurts is uh, a question that we always want to ask about and how many times he's going to touch the ball. It's what killed Carmen Yeah, half in, in the, the NFC Championship me. game. Under 10 and a half, he had 11 carries. <laughs> yeah. He had six carries six, on that last in, touchdown in the drive. final <laughs> touchdown drive. I'm like, so you've got to be kidding me. We, we've got to find out where the number is and what your recommendations are. You know, he's such a fascinating player because I think, Yerk, when you dig into some of the data this year, you realize how few pass attempts Jalen Hurts has had in the second half of games because they've played with comfortable leads. I mean, only Marcus Mariota, in terms of starting quarterbacks that qualified, had fewer pass attempts after the break than what we've seen from Jalen Hurts. And you've seen the run-pass split early in games. Philadelphia throws it at about a 60-40 split early, and then they lean on the ground attack. I have seen some professional money come in on Jalen Hurts passing yards under. It's not a prop that I've gravitated towards myself, given the fact I lean Kansas City, and I think Philadelphia could be playing from behind. The rushing yards number is extremely fair, given the questions we have about that shoulder injury. Despite going over his rushing attempts, much to Carm chagrin, he did come up grimacing with that AC joint sprain, and we'll see how likely he is to continue to put his head down and run through some of those tackles. So he's a player, honestly, guys, that I've stayed away from because I can't see a path where a lot of his numbers come in over if you believe Philadelphia's the side. If they're playing from behind, then maybe you look at his passing attempts, passing completions, and yards going over because we know a negative game script often lends itself quite nicely to games to yeah. props going over the total. Yep, yep. Uh, a couple more minutes with Todd Furman joining us on the CarX Tire and Auto Guest Hotline. Uh, I, li- I have not listened to your entire podcast from the week. I caught the beginning, and I will listen to it all before Sunday. But you guys started with one of the big sort of talking points of these last couple of weeks, and it's strength of schedule, and particularly or specifically in Philly's uh, situation here, lack thereof, I guess, Todd. How much should that matter, and how much should we be looking at that when we start to handicap this game against such an explosive offense, when you look at uh, the the opponent's, especially the opposing offenses that Philly really beat up on throughout the course of the year. It plays a big role, and that's part of the reason, guys, I mean, that you're seeing real money coming on over on the overs in some of these mm-hmm. situations, both first half and full game. And we've talked for years, professional bettors don't love to make a case for going over the total, but when the number is so suppressed, they feel obligated to do so, and a lot of that is because Philadelphia strength of schedule. That's 31st of 32 teams in the NFL defensively, yes, I know they have gaudy stack numbers. When they generate pressure, they typically get home. But they haven't faced a quarterback cut from the same cloth as Patrick Mahomes 
You look at how they perform when they stepped up in class on the road against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, at home against the Green Bay Packers, and those games were full-blown track meets. So if you're Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, there are paths to success where you can exploit this Philadelphia secondary that hasn't been tested all that often. The area where Philadelphia has been very good, though, in terms of deploying zone coverage. The problem being is that's something that Patrick Mahomes will absolutely feast on. You can't blitz Mahomes. His passer rating continues to skyrocket there. So I have some major concerns about Philadelphia on the defensive side, and if that's the case, how does that impact impact an offense that normally is able to play running downhill with a lead more so than Jalen Hurts playing from behind? All right, any best bets before we let you go? You know, gave out some props uh, on the podcast and, of course, encouraged everybody to listen to that in its entirety. Probably a lot more detail uh, than the casual fans looking for. But I'll give you a couple others that we played earlier. I mean, some, again, not going to be available every book. Isaiah Pacheco, for me, up to $2 is a worthwhile bet to have more receiving yards than Miles Sanders. So shop around, see what shops are available. And Jarek McKinnon, over-under for longest rush attempt for McKinnon. Uh, I went eight and a half, under 8.5 minus $1.20. Uh, I don't see McKinnon getting a ton of carries in the ground game. And when you look at how he's performed in 10 of the last 12 games, he's obviously been much more explosive as a receiver than as a runner. So McKinnon's longest rush, under 8.5 yards. Uh, excellent stuff. Listen, we appreciate you, and uh, we appreciate you being such a willing participant each and every year to give us great handicapping advice. And we'll bug you, I'm sure, during March Madness. But enjoy the game, Todd. And uh, we appreciate everything, just so you know, okay? Hey, always a pleasure, guys. Uh, as I say each and every year we do this, you guys are, are my home away from home, the extended family. I never was sure I knew I needed or wanted, uh, but it's been a treat to jump on with you guys every single Thursday throughout the course of the fall. Best of luck with all your bets this weekend, and I'll look forward to catching up in March Madness, maybe with a little bit of spring training talk, as I know optimism reigns supreme with a change of manager, especially on the South yeah, Side. Yeah, you know it. That sounds great. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks. Be good, boys. There's Todd Furman at Todd Furman on Twitter and the Bet the Board pod. It's great breakdown on the NFL with he and Payne Insider joining us on the CarX Tire and Auto guest hotline. And nice to have CarX Tire and Auto in the mix with us. Absolutely. And sponsoring the the call the, uh, the the guest line. I love it. Jumping on board. Very we like good. it. New odds couple going to be posting tomorrow, too. Mike and I are recording first thing in the morning, and it'll be up by late morning, early afternoon for your listening Wonderful. pleasure this weekend. We'll do a full hour breakdown. Uh, we'll get ponies with Jim Miller, but we will do mostly a full hour breakdown of Super Bowl 57 tomorrow. And you can get that on the app, and you'll get it tomorrow night uh, after. I think Tyler's on tomorrow night from 6 to 8. You'll get it at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Crosstalk coming up in about uh, a little less than 15 minutes. It's Carmen and York. We'll be right back. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Jericho, you want to know why Travis Kelsey is always open? Yeah, like, this I, isn't I, a joke. I, I, There's I, no punchline. I'd love to know why, why he's always open. Do you want to know why Travis Kelsey says he's always open? Yes, I want to know why. Andy Reid, baby. Big Red. That's it? <laughs> That's what he said. Just Andy Reid gets him open all the time? I love it. His scheming? He can scheming? dial the right stuff up at the right time. That's usually the way it works. you got to dial it up at the right time. If you look at the breakdowns, Yerk, Travis Kelsey lines up in line, lines up in the slot, lines up out wide. And now Andy's good at figuring out. Sends him into motion. Sends him into motion a ton. But you know what? Travis Kelsey also dominates because he can can just 
get open for many of those positions, seemingly. I mean, like, he's, yeah, he makes it, they make it hard in their scheme. I get that because he's so versatile. But if he weren't so versatile, you couldn't use him that way. That's why we talk about great players and great coaches together making beautiful and, and not music. Only, not only Frank, that, he's got the uncanny ability to find space. Yes. He finds yes. the space between players. Yes. The soft spots and zones. He's smart. He's, uh, he's got enough wiggle to be able to get away from people. All of it, dude. Yeah. All of it. You're right. So you got to be versatile enough for a coach like Andy to say, my God, we could use you in a plethora of ways. You got to be like... The, the player's got to be that gifted. Cole Komet can't be used the way Travis Kelsey's used. And then I don't not a knock on Cole Komet. Travis Kelsey might be the best of all time. Right. You can't use Cole Komet the way you can use Travis Kelsey. Right. So the Bears coach doesn't have that luxury. So he can say Big Red and Andy Reid all he want. And we love that because we love Andy. And he is an offensive genius. But That uh, he is. That's why great players together. You know, Todd was just talking about some of the things that make Mahomes special and why it might be hard for Philly's defense. They play a lot of zone. I told you earlier in the week, uh, Philly plays a pretty large volume of zone defense, Yerk, and Mahomes has shredded that. I think it was, um, I think ESPN Stats and Info had it in the, uh, in the stat pack early in the week. If you look at the breakdown in the regular season of Mahomes versus blitz, no blitz, drop eight, too high shell. You know, like those are the things that were giving him trouble the last year or so, the too high shell, some of the drop eight right. stuff. Yeah. He eviscerated all of it all year. He's first or second against every one of them. Everything. Her. Man, zone, drop eight, too high safety. He's first or second, all of them. So he's figured it out. Like Andy, and again, the great player and the great coach, they kind of figured it out. Remember last year, it was like, well, the, the league's caught on to Mahomes, the drop eight. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, good yeah. luck to you. Not so much? <laughs> Not so much. Not so much this year? The great players just have a tendency to find ways to continue to get better and then beat you, right? So he's just, I don't know, we've, he- we've heaped effusive praise. I don't know how you don't. Well, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good five-year run. He's just special. They cap it off for the Super Bowl. I know. They cap it off for the Super Bowl. It'll be interesting. What will be? Well, I, oh, like, I, I mean, his oh, like legacy. Andy, like, his legacy. No, no, I'm talking oh, about Mahomes. Mahomes too. I oh, mean, he's God. got a, he's, he's got one hell of a start. He's got one hell of a, uh, a head start on a lot of people that are out there. Nobody thinks anybody's going to be able to do what uh, Tom Brady's been able to do. But right, right, I see what you're saying. Kansas City continues to be a team that's going to be out yeah, there. Right. If he can get a second one already before the age of 28, right? Yeah, and I went and looked something up yesterday. I wanted to see when Holmgren retired. Because, mm-hmm. you know, for, my guy... From coaching? Yeah, from coaching. My guy Andy. Or just being in football. Okay. Including front office. Okay. I'm, I'm, including that in Cleveland. He went to Cleveland. He, he finished in 2012. So Mike was about 63 was when he... Was it that long yeah, ago? Yeah. Wow. Andy's, Andy's coming up to his 65, 65th birthday. Wow. So I'm wondering if, you know, they go out up on top, they win this whole thing. If, uh, you know, at some point, you don't just hang up the whistle. I don't know. Wow. I'm just guessing. Walk off into the sunset? That's a guess. Walk what off into the sunset. What a way that would be for Andy Reid yeah. to go off. Like, what does it do to his legacy if he gets another one? I mean, the guy's he's coaching in his, what, his fourth Super Bowl, right? Yeah. With two different franchises. Right. He's coached in nine conference title games. 247 victories. He's got the second most playoff wins all time, right? Behind Belichick. Second most. And he's not really chasing anybody because the guy that's next in line, I believe, is Tom Landry. Landry's got 279 victories. Mm. 247, 279. 
Yeah, a couple seasons away. Yeah. I mean, you're you're still a ways away. Who knows? You know, who yeah. knows? Some guys got a passion for it, and they'll do it until they're a hundred. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Teddy's on the north side. What's up, Teddy? Hey, boys. You, you know the Super Bowl coming up. I, I'm kind of bummed because I still think Cincinnati should got robbed. They should be in the game. And that pass with Philly that the guy didn't catch, and they went down and got a touchdown. You know that could have changed the whole. You know, thing yeah, of the game, the, the quarterback might not got injured, and they would have ran the ball a little bit more because they wouldn't have been down seven. It, 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 I, I, I'm just well, about well, a quarterback. But, uh, the, but the the problem, Teddy, is like Purdy got hurt on the first drive. They're, they're not running the ball there necessarily. I mean, you know, like. I don't know. I mean, it's hard with the Philly thing because, and thanks, Teddy. We got to run. We got crosstalk in a minute here. It's hard with the Philly thing to imagine any other outcome. Maybe not a blowout, but it's hard to imagine any other outcome other than Philly winning. Because when you don't have a quarterback, yeah, you, you weren't going to score points. Yeah, it's just like you know, like Yurko said, Shanahan would tell you it was thirty-one-seven, and I didn't have a quarterback. I mean, the backup quarterback did lead him to their one touchdown. Right, but I then get he got it. hurt. But yeah. And then once he was gone and you brought in a guy that couldn't pass. That, that has to have elbow surgery. You want to talk about shrinking the field. That's what I mean. You want it's to like, talk about the accordion effect. That's probably not going to matter. You know, the other game, Teddy, I, a few things here and there. Look, in the advanced box score, the Chiefs were better. They were. Mahomes played an epic game. I picked Kansas City to win that game beforehand. That was the best bet that Mike and I gave out. It happened to hit. They happened to cover. And we live to see another day with a little extra scratch in our pocket ready for Super Bowl 57. Could it have been different? Sure, it could have been. But I think KC was the better team that day, even with all the injuries on offense, in large part because of what, a Pat, because of what Patrick Mahomes did and what Chris Jones did in that second half and in that fourth quarter. All right, we are going to crosstalk coming up with Waddle and Sylvie. Roger Goodell has the final word, brought to you by Bath Planet. Carmen and Yurko present today's final word. Because you had to be a big shot, didn't you? You had to open up your mouth. Today's final you word. Had to have the last word on Carmen and Yurko. When you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league.